Can you guys hear me okay? Who is this? Yeah. (laughs) Who is this? Who is that? Can you hear me? You don't sound normal, but you sound like I can hear you. Okay. I'm I'm far away right now, but my internet was not doing very well a second ago. Yeah, I got you. Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com, podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin State's in the west end of Richmond, where it is Tuesday, January the 11th. Um, shout out to those of you out there with birthdays today. Um, it's apparently a very uh, well-traveled one. Dave is not with us tonight because his oldest uh, is one of those with the birthday today. Uh, so he has a night off. We have plenty of uh, basketball stuff to discuss among the three of us. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. Uh, let's see. First up in Loudon, staff writer Justin Ferber also on the program. God, did I say also I did? Is on the program because there's no also. How's it going, man? Yeah, it's good. Um, there's no defensive coordinator on the program. There won't be one <laughs> at any Never. point during the show. <laughs> we don't know who it is. Stop asking. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess you guys know and won't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> At Justin um, underscore verbal on Twitter. It's not me. I can tell you that. <laughs> you know, you made that joke last week when we were joking about you moving to Charlottesville and stuff, and now you're, you know, it's been only, it's not even been, a, it's been not even a week, and you're just already like, you know, over the DC talk. Uh, I in can't Charlottesville, on that. <laughs> here we go. In Charlottesville, managing editor Damon Dillman, also on the program. How's it going, man? How are you? I am also on the program. I'm doing all right. How are you guys? <laughs> uh, I'm 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 well. I had a uh, well. I don't really want to tell my filling story on uh, on podcast. It's not for public consumption. No, nah, it's just boring. I mean, nobody nobody wants to hear about me having to do a filling a second time with no Novocaine or whatever you call it. At Damon Dillman on Twitter. It was not an enjoyable experience, nonetheless. Uh, Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, I uh, I think it's interesting to because of the sort of timing of the game tomorrow night between Virginia and Virginia Tech. It made a lot of sense to to record this podcast early. I don't know if we're going to necessarily preview the Tech game. Um, we might get into Tech later on. I kind of want to just have a more sort of free flowing conversation about Virginia basketball. Um, even though our preamble, which you guys don't get to hear before I hit the record button was much more focused on Virginia's football program and the um, uncertainty, as Ferber alluded to, um, around the the defensive coordinator position, which remains, at least as of 8.46 p.m. on the East Coast, uh, unfilled. Something did break during the podcast. I would just shout it out, and we could just talk about it <laughs> we for could, a We could give it like a breaking news thing. Like, yeah, at this hour. Yeah, that's right. Hey, yeah, stop stepping on Damon's toes. Seriously. Um, but it just it, it it would be it would be the you know our luck. Um, hopefully it's not if you know if it's imagine if it was like a major name and we had to come back and record another podcast like Friday or whatever. Um, but anyway, 
uh, even though the preamble to our actual recording was much more focused on the football team, I do want to talk a lot about the basketball team. We've we've got some pretty decent returns now um, between the Syracuse win, the Clemson win, and now the absolute just second half shellacking that Virginia suffered in Chapel Hill uh, this past weekend. Um, I I kind of want to talk a little bit about sort of where things are for the Wahoos uh, as you know, not only just the Tech game coming up, but sort of the you know the the meat of the ACC season approaches. And I mean, we're we're into the middle of January, which is look, you, you this is either you're either going to get it done or you're not, right? You're either going to get blown off the floor, or you're gonna um, you're gonna put something together. I got to be honest, I thought after those two road wins, I was much more curious, as I said about where this team could be. And I was kind of still there at the end of the first half. Um, you know, I thought, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't vintage UVA by any stretch. Um, but you know what, down six at the half, it just, it didn't feel like a, um, you know, a, a big, a big deficit for them. And then to sort of come out and, and to have happen what happened, um, you know, Virginia clearly not the same in that second half. Um, Armando Baycote had literally the game of his life. 29 points, 21 boards, 12 of 18 from the floor, 5 of 7 from the line. He had a couple assists as well. Um, you know, I thought Carolina just did a really nice job of doing the things that Carolina needed to do, and I thought Virginia did a really horrible job of trying to do anything to stop them. Um, but I, I'm curious as we, you know, not just talk about this, you know, tech matchup, but in general – where things are. I, I feel like that's going to be sort of the topic du jour as we go through the season. You know, when you don't have a vintage UVA team and Damon wrote about, you know, this isn't a vintage UVA defense by any stretch, but when you don't have that sort of um, consistency, you know, game to game, week to week, um, it's, it feels like it's going to be a little bit all over the place. Damon, let's start with you How, coming out of, um, you know, that Carolina loss and now getting ready for tech and sort of where things are on the schedule. How are you feeling about, Cavaliers where do you feel like the needle points right now or, or do you feel like the team is much is more like the one we saw in Syracuse and in Clemson or like the one we saw in Chapel Hill what do you think I feel like the needle is quivering right now and it doesn't know which direction it wants to go in because I like you said earlier I was feeling a little bit better after the after the uh the two wins at Syracuse and Clemson not just that they won those games but how they won those games they seem to have identified what worked for them and those things look like they were working in those games. And then the Carolina game happened and you realize that, whoa, maybe this team isn't quite ready yet for, uh, for prime time, for lack of a better way of putting it. Um, they, they, they just haven't been consistent. They, they haven't been consistent at either end. Um, it's, it's like, like I wrote about today, Tony talked about it on the teleconference yesterday and I looked a little deeper into the numbers, just some of the things that they're, they're doing um, the the defensive rebounding percentage that Tony brought up. They're like 250th in the country in that, uh, in, in allowing teams to uh, to turn rebounding opportunities into second chance opportunities, offensive rebounds. UVA's never had a team finish outside the top 50 in in Ken Palm's rankings. In that 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 was the number that blew my mind. Tony mentioned it, and I hadn't really thought about it. And then I looked up those numbers, and I saw that, and I was like, wow. That's not good. And then the other number I looked up last night that really blew my mind was the one, I don't know if you saw about uh, teams shooting 44% against UVA from three. I think it's six teams have done it this all this year already. Carolina did it on Saturday. They were the sixth. Um, 
I think it was six teams did it last year as well. But then the three years prior, a total of five teams did that across a three season span. UVA allowed five teams to shoot 44% from three. So it's just, this, this just isn't uh, that vintage Tony Bennett defensive, defensively elite unit, which is to be expected because these guys haven't grown up in the pack line. Kihei has grown up in the pack line. Uh, Reese Beekman's growing up in the pack line, but Jaden Gardner, uh, Armand Franklin, those guys are still kind of figuring it out. And, and we haven't seen that consistent cohesiveness that you're accustomed, accustomed to from a UVA defense when it's comprised of guys who've been playing in it for three, four years now. So yeah, this is kind of just who this team is. It's, it, it's the way things have worked out on the transaction wire with the guys who left uh, the guys who came in uh, guys who are still developing Shedrick still kind of figuring some things out. You can still see him kind of putting pieces together. And if he can become a little bit more consistent, I think that would be a, a, a big deal for this team. If Franklin could knock down the shots he was brought here to knock down, that would be uh, very significant for this team. Um, but yeah, th- this just who is who they are right now. They're not consistent and, and we're at the halfway point now. So at what point do you kind of accept that this is who this team is, or do you kind of chalk it up to Tony Bennett, the coaching staff and say, they're going to continue to kind of put things together in this second half. And who knows, maybe they, they make a run down the stretch like that team two years ago, they got to 23 and seven, but what did they go down the stretch eight and one or something like that? Yeah, uh, they, they won their last, what was it? Eight, it was, I think they won all their last eight or nine, right? Wasn't it? Uh, is that what it was? I feel yeah. like there was one loss. I'll I'll, could... I'll I'll look it up while you're while you're. Yeah, but anyway, no, but like that that to me is best case scenario for this team is that it puts all the pieces together for a late run like that. Uh, but I'm, I I just don't know if I have the confidence that this team can do that. Um, then again, I don't know if I had the confidence that that team could do that two years ago either. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, in nineteen in nineteen. Wow. Uh, they finished the year with a, um, let's see, three, four, five, six, seven, eight game winning streak. Um, hell, they won uh, 11 of their last 12, actually. They had that three game losing streak in the middle of the season right, right. around now. And, and Boston College, the Syracuse, NC State, State loss. Yeah. Wasn't there an NC State loss yeah, in there, they, too? They beat Georgia Tech and then they lost NC State. And so that was their fourth loss in five games. And then they won three in a row. They beat Wake in overtime in um, Winston Salem. And then they they beat Florida State and Clemson. They lost at Louisville in that uh, like track meet, eighty to seventy three. And then they oh, won the yeah. last eight in a row, including that fifty to forty nine clunker of an overtime game. God, I've forgotten all about that thing. Ugh, man, woof, woof. Um, but yes, that was the the last. And then they obviously closed the season with that win over Louisville. Ferber, I tweeted something the other day, and no, it was not my Wordle score. Um, you like that? Uh, mm-hmm. Who's evol- This was at the half, so clearly the next twenty minutes, you know, had a tendency to uh, either affirm or de- deny uh, my thesis here. Um, but I said, really curious to see how the second half plays out. But it seems to me that UVA might have figured out who it is this season. Guys look more comfortable in various roles, rotations making more sense. Talent levels higher than conventional wisdom thought. Margin for error remains very thin. Who's have always needed to be efficient, but that's especially true for this bunch and on both ends. Guys don't have to play great to be good. They just have to be consistent. Effort has been dramatically different the past three games. Dudes clearly are getting going harder at longer. And then, obviously, they got just boat raced in that second half. 
Um, I, I don't necessarily think that I disagree with me, <laughs> um, which is a sentence that one does not say very often. Yeah, we don't um, have time to unpack all of that. <laughs> but I, but I, but I think on some level, um, it's it's the degrees, right? So Damon just made a point about consistency, and I think consistency has been something we've taken not necessarily taken for granted, but become a cu- so accustomed to with Tony Bennett teams. Whether they were consistently good on offense and they weren't on defense, or they were cons- consistently good on defense but just weren't on offense, I think the issue that you have here is that you know that team that Damon just mentioned, that team had the number one defense in America, right? And they were able to do some stuff in spite of the fact that they had the two hundred thirty fourth best de- best offense in America, right? When you are number one in something, you can do some things that you can't do if you're not, you know what I'm saying? Like you can cover up for some some warts. And the problem with this team is that right now they're not great at anything, right? They have moments on defense where they have, you know, they play above their station and they're very good. They have moments on offense when the ball's moving, um, you know, Beekman's getting to the cup, Gardner's able to, to make the mid-range work, and you can see, like, you can see what it's supposed to look like when they're good. The problem is is putting it all together on both ends at, with any consistency, and that seems to be the thing that this team really struggles with. I do think this group is better – than earlier parts of the season implied. I do think that guys look more comfortable right now. I also think that it un- when it unravels, it unravels fast for them because it, it doesn't take much. I mean, Carolina is killing them on the boards, right, 36 to 28. Those second chance points, 14 to 4. Uh, points off turnovers were not all that out of whack because even though UVA had, you know, double-digit turnovers, it wasn't that big a deal. But – you can't – it's like you can't do so many things at once and expect to be good, right? You can't be sort of meh on offense and on defense. You can't struggle to, to shoot threes and give up, you know, rebounds and give up second chance points and also not score anything off the bench, you know? The one the one interesting part about this is that they were 30-30 to 30 in points in the paint, which I don't know how that's even possible considering what Carolina did to them around the basket. So I guess my long thesis here is that – these they are who we think they are and that's going to be frustrating for a lot of Virginia fans as the season goes on because there's just not a lot of consistency where do you think this team is right now and do you expect the needle to move at all or is this sort of what we're stuck with and we all just have to like enjoy the fact that it's basketball and we get to watch it yeah I mean I that was kind of what I was saying last week too I mean after the wins I was like um I didn't think that Syracuse or Clemson played particularly well in the games that UVA won. I don't think either of those teams are particularly good. So, I mean, they were good wins, especially it's hard to win on the road. Um, so definitely like they were accomplishments getting going out and getting those wins, especially having to make plays late. But I wasn't surprised at what we saw on Saturday. Carolina is just better. Um, they have a better roster. Um, they're better on the offensive end. They can play to their strengths a little bit more. That Carolina team is a little bit better set up to beat UVA as opposed to some of the other recent ones because they just can shoot. So, I mean, like that's something that UVA hasn't really had to deal with so much. Part of the reason that Carolina usually gets so frustrated playing against them is because so much of their stuff is getting downhill, getting in transition, and UVA doesn't let them do that. Um, this team was pulling up, and, and obviously I think they made some threes that in other games they might not have made. I mean, some really deep ones, but, you know, They've, they've been shooting a high percentage all year, so it's certainly not fluky necessarily. So um, as far as like where the needle is going, I, I think 
I think what you said is true. I think they're not really excellent on either end of the floor. They're solid on both ends, I guess. At times, sometimes they're not so solid. Um, they're going to probably be a little inconsistent here and there um, on both ends. I think that each game, like the results are going to come down to matchups and performance, um, which is how it is for most teams. Like UVA is an outlier in, in the fact that they can kind of like rely on the pack line. Um, even when they're not shooting the ball well, they can usually stick around because they can get enough stops and, and maybe they make plays late. Even when they don't play well, they can still win. Um, this team probably doesn't defend well enough to do that this year. So, and, and I don't, I mean, they don't shoot the ball really well from the outside. So it's not like they can kind of lean on that either, like last year's team. Um, so I think that each, the outcomes are going to be determined on execution, um, you know, like the little things, not committing foul, costly fouls, not allowing second chance points, not allowing runouts, closing out on shooters, um, making some shots, timely shots, drawing fouls, getting to the free throw line, not turning the ball over, um, forcing some turnovers maybe to get some easy points. Those are the things that are going to determine where UVA ends up this, this year, more so than relying on the defense that they always have or making a bunch of threes um, or even home court advantage because it doesn't really feel like that's been as tough for other teams to come into JPJ as it has in the past. So, I mean, I think that they had, you know, they're going to probably win a decent number of games just because I think the ACC is wide open and, and Tony's a good enough coach to kind of like, I think he makes a difference in some of these games, like down the stretch and close games. I think UVA can kind of pull some stuff out. Um, but yeah, I think I don't, I don't really like, I'm not at this like existential kind of crisis about where this team is. I kind of think we know who they are and it's been pretty clear. I think for a while, I think they're better, like you said, than they were in like, the very beginning of the season. And I think by the end of March, they might be better than they are now um, marginally. So, because I think, you know, UVA usually improves as the season goes along. Um, but I don't think we're going to see some massive change. Like they're not going to suddenly become like a really good team or anything like that. Um, and I don't think they're going to bottom out either. They'll probably be somewhere around where they are now, where they they're at nine and six, three and two. Um if I had to pick a record for them at the end of the year in the ACC, I'd probably say they're going to be like 12 and eight or 11 and nine or somewhere in there. Um, unfortunately, that's probably not going to be enough to get you into the tournament. Um, but I think that's kind of where this team is right now. And, you know, maybe they can prove me wrong and, and win more games than we expect. But, you know, looking at the game against tech, like I don't see any reason why they can't win it, but I, I certainly am not going to sit here and say they definitely won't lose it. Yeah, it's that's the that's the part, right? Like that's the fun slash frustrating aspect of this team, which is okay. And so you let's can say that about like every game, pretty yes, much. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so if you look at Kim Palm right now, right? Kim Palm has tomorrow night's game against Tech as a loss, a one point sixty of 49 percent uh, win percentage, right? All right. He actually has them beating Wake Forest and Pittsburgh and NC State in Louisville in a row. Right, or I guess he. I guess let me rephrase. Not him. His algorithm. His his data. A loss to Notre Dame. He's just in there putting in the scores for each game. <laughs> Sorry, he's he's just really busy. Um, wins against Boston <laughs> College and and Miami. All right, then a loss against Duke. Which come on. All right, then a win against Georgia Tech. But then three straight losses to Virginia Tech, Miami, and Duke before a win over Florida State and a loss. So I mean, he has them. I mean, some of those wins. I mean, like to Wake Forest and Pittsburgh 
uh, and Miami. Well, not Pittsburgh, maybe. Meh. I don't know. Pittsburgh just looks like a team that's just going to beat UVA. Like, do you know how sometimes UVA just like they, randomly They pretty loses? much did earlier this year. They no, just, but you see what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like they just look, they just have that look. Like, there are these teams that sometimes just UVA struggles with that, like, just have a look. Pittsburgh just has that look. Every time I watch Pittsburgh play, I'm like, you put those dudes in, like, different jerseys, and I would totally believe they're going to beat UVA. But NC no, like, State for me. But wait, yeah, wait. <laughs> right. Wake Forest, NC State, and Miami, all potential, you know, algorithmic wins, right? So the fact is, is that like this rest of the season is going to be basically like, you know what? Who knows what you're going to get, right? You're just going to be waiting around to see how, you know, which team shows up. And to your point earlier about like the little things and like no, not getting a foul here. I feel like that one of the things that folks really overlook about that uh, championship team, right? It wasn't just how good they were, which they were good. But one of the reasons they were good is because like dudes were so consistent in what they were supposed to do. Right. You might have a game here or there where maybe it was a little closer than it should have been. Right. But I mean, like they they handled their business. They sort of went out there and were who they were supposed to be. They didn't, you know, make a ton of mistakes. They didn't, you know, go out there and shoot themselves in the foot very often. And when they did, they made enough plays to sort of take, you know, to basically right the ship. And this team is just not that. It's like like I mentioned earlier, like once the thing starts unravel on them, it's really hard for them to sort of, you know, catch back up and pull it back in. And that was a, I mean, I think that was the thing about the second half against Carolina on Saturday. Like it was very apparent that Virginia really didn't have a way to stop the bleeding uh, because ultimately, like if it doesn't go sort of according to script, they sort of that drift away from where they're supposed to be. They, they kind of fall off a cliff and it happens quickly. But I do think that they're talented and they're going to give some of these teams, you know, in the league, um, it's a, a, a little bit of a, a run. What's funny about it, though, is that, like, other than Duke, I mean, maybe you could say Miami, um, you know, maybe even Wake Forest, right? Um, but other than those two, I mean, and Duke, I mean, like, who else in the league are you even scared of? Like, it's just a big bucket of yuck. And, I mean, there's a bunch of wins to be had when a lot of the teams are crappy, right? And so Virginia might be, you know, they might s- slide into the fourth, fifth seed or something just based on the fact that, you know, not everybody around them is, is any good. Um, David, what's your outlook for for let, let's let's not necessarily look at the whole season. Let's just go game by game. We'll start with the tech game, and then obviously they get <laughs> a week, or you know, get some, several days uh, until the weekend matchup with uh, Wake Forest. Two home games in a row after being on the road for a few. Um, what are you thinking about the tech game and also Saturday's matchup with uh, the Demon Deacons? I go back to um, those you had mentioned it too, but the, that list of the little things that that Ferber rattled off a couple of minutes ago. And as I was listening to him rattle those off, I was thinking those are the things that they did um, in the Syracuse wins and in the Clemson win. And uh, that just those little things uh, that if they show up and they do, they're going to be in all of these games. I, I mean, no, I'm not going to, I'm not uh, far be it for me to, to argue with uh, Ken Palm and his algorithm, but I mean, I agree that they should be in all of these games down the stretch because this team isn't a bad team. It may not be a vintage UVA team. It's a solid team. Um, and I, I think mo- they're probably, gosh, I don't know, hundreds of fan bases in the country who would be thrilled to just have a solid team. <laughs> right. It's just the bar is so high now yeah. for this UVA program that solid isn't enough, which, which again, I totally get. Um but but no, I mean they're they're good enough to be in every single one of these games, starting with this one tomorrow night against Virginia Tech. I mean, I 
I don't know. It, I think tomorrow night will be dictated a lot on how Tech shoots and if they're able to knock down shots um, and if they're able to shoot, knock down shots from long range. And, and if they come in and they're shooting well, they could give UVA problems. But if they struggle shooting, I think UVA will handle them. So that, I mean, and there's a win right there if, that, if that's the case. So, yeah, I mean, I think you can go down that entire schedule. I just pulled up Ken Palm 2. Uh, and I'm looking at the rest of the schedule and, and wake win, pit win. And yeah, but if you look at them, they're all like three point win, three point win, one point win, three point win, four point loss. So that that the margin for error is so slim there that that that's that's a turnover. That's that's an easy bucket. That's a second chance bucket. Those are so. Yeah. To me, it all comes down to managing those little things that Ferber talked about earlier and don't give up the second chance points minimize the turnovers capitalize on the turnovers you create and, and you'll be in all of these games and and we all know how uva slows things down and maximizes every, attempts to maximize every possession as it is so yeah you look down that list and these are all games that that are probably going to be as long as uva doesn't allow them to get away like they did on saturday let things get away from them let let things slip away they they will be in all of these games. And then it just comes down to that uh that execution on a night to night basis. And I mean, based on what who who's to say what we're gonna get on a night to night basis based on what we've seen in the first half. Yeah. Ferber, as um as you look at the landscape of the ACC, other than Duke is good, what what hard and fast rules or takeaways do you have? Because for me, it's really the surprise, right? I'm surprised that Miami's good. I'm surprised that Wake Forest is good. I'm surprised that Florida State sucks. I'm surprised that Virginia Tech has not been better. Um, I, I I feel like the un the 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 sort of um, inverse uh, like reality of things, right? The idea that like you know I saw you know Miami and Florida State the line tonight or t- earlier today, and I just could not believe that Florida state was favored. Um, what's, what, what are your, what are your lessons so far from the league and sort of where things uh, are trending right now? I mean, I don't think, I don't think the ACC is going to be a one bid league by any stretch, but no. I, I really only think there's one team that I trust. And then there's and Carolina is more talented than they've shown, but I don't think, I don't think they're going to be able to be consistently good. I just feel like it's like one team that I trust Two teams that have been terrible, who have really good scores in Miami and 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 Wake Forest, who could probably surprise and probably wind up, you know, top five ish uh, in the league this year to surprise a lot of people. And other than that, it's just a big question mark. What do you think? Yeah, I mean that sounds about right. Uh, Miami, I mean they're five and zero oh right now um, in in first place. I know right now as we record this, they're in sort of a. A, quite a battle with Florida State. Yeah, never, um, never doubt Vegas, folks. Never yeah, Vegas. As, soon, as soon as you said they were bad, <laughs> I know. As soon <laughs> Leonard, as yep. Leonard Hamilton gets them right. No, nah, I mean honestly, this looks to me um, about what I expected. Uh, just looking at the standings, it's kind of weird because like Duke is fifth, you know, because they just haven't played as many games. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I think North Carolina will probably finish in the top like three or four based on what we saw. From them, um, Louisville is four and one quietly. Um, it seems like they're kind of like working their way back, but you know, they lost four non-conference games. So I think they were kind of like flying under the radar a little bit. They lost to like DePaul and Western Kentucky. Um, you know, Notre Dame's three and one, they beat North Carolina. So good for them. But other than that, I mean, like, what have they really done? 
Wake is kind of like a surprise team at this point. You know, I think that they beat Tech, what was it, over the weekend or whenever that was. Um, it was a while back, actually. But they beat Syracuse over the weekend. Um, they, I think they – who they lose to? They lost to Miami and they lost to Louisville. So that's not bad. If they come to Charlottesville on Saturday, that'll be – I mean, it looks like it's going to be a, a tough test for UVA. Um, you don't really say that too often when Wake comes to town. But um, it seems like this year they might actually be kind of trending in the right direction. At the bottom – Virginia Tech, I think, obviously, is the one that it's like, what happened? Um, and it's still early. I mean, they've only played three ACC games. They could they could still go on a hot streak and get back in it. Um, but now, um, I was just working on the preview right before we started recording. And, you know, like now they have, because of COVID, they have like eight games between now and the end of January or something crazy like that. Um, so, I mean, they're going to really be tested. And some of those games are going to be tough. So, um, they're kind of up against it, especially if they were to lose tomorrow, um, because then it becomes really tricky for them going forward. Georgia Tech's actually the team in last, so they went from champs to last, which is kind of surprising, but it's also Georgia Tech, so it's not really that surprising to me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think I think Wake is a pleasant surprise. Miami's a pleasant surprise. Duke has pretty much been as advertised. North Carolina has been – Maybe not as good as advertised in the whole season, but I think they're going to kind of round into form. Um, and honestly, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if UVA finishes like fourth, um, just because like that's what they do. Um, and and I could see them kind of like eking their way back up there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we've said this. I know we said it last year. We've said it in other years recently, but it feels like there's like one or two good teams and then there's just a really big middle and then there's like maybe one or two bad teams, but there's not a whole lot of like gimmies. Um, you don't have those BC teams like from back in the day where they were like three and 18 or whatever, you know? Um, so I think there's not a lot of free wins out there, but there's also, I mean, like I can't imagine a game on this schedule where I'd look at it right now and be like, Oh, that I know how that game's going to go. Like for sure. Maybe like Duke at home against Georgia tech or something, but um, for the most part, I think a lot of these games are going to be, like I said earlier, determined by um, execution. I don't think there's going to be like huge gaps in talent or sch- schematic differences that will make that big of a difference. I think it's just going to come down to who plays better on a given night, which will probably lead to a lot of close games. Yeah. And at the end of the season, a lot of teams around 500. Yeah. I, I would just say to if you're, if you're thinking about it, don't bet on the ACC much. All right. Um, Cause you're, <laughs> it's going to be a rough go of it. Um I, I kind of think, you know, as I'm looking forward for, for this game tomorrow night, I have, I mean, I realize Tech, you know, had to shut down and everything, and that's that's hard, right? But I'm sorry. Keve Aluma and Justin Mutz should be able to take the three of us out there and be pretty good. Like, that is not a team that should be struggling. Um, and they have not, ha- they've had some rough go of it lately. Now, granted, you know, they had, you know, what, they were off from, uh, they played on the 12th, the 17th, the 22nd, and then were off until the 4th. So, I mean, they had, you know, a significant amount of downtime and, and whatnot. But, I, I mean, I look at this matchup with, with them, and, and I think, like, for you, from the UVA side, it's like, all right, well, how, what are they going to do with Aluma and Mutz, right? Because you feel like, okay, you know, Caden Shedrick is in a, in a much better spot now. You, you you can use him. But what are they going to do with both of those dudes, especially if Tech's able to spread them out? Um the Murphy kid, I mean, he's played better of late. When I watched him earlier in the season, I mean, 
I was like, is this guy really an ACC guard? Yeah, I mean, when they got him, I thought he was going to be really good, and it seems like maybe he's been a little in over his head. Um, yeah, but he, I think he's point. been he's been better lately. Um, than he's he still averaging eight point six points a game. It's not like yeah. he's like terrible or anything. Yeah. But and then you know, Couture is basically like the same dude, just in a different body. Right? He's a couple mm-hmm. inches taller, maybe a little heavier, but you know, he's not. You know, he's they're just very similar players. I think Storm's a better go- true guard. Um, but it's just like everything for for me with Tech goes down to Aluma and Mutz. Um, those two guys are going to be good. You're going to have good nights. When those two guys struggle, you're going to struggle. Um, I just don't. I, I guess for this matchup, and I'm, I don't want to spoil the the preview forever, but it feels like to me. Uh, go ahead. No, <laughs> it just feels like to me that that's a that's a tough look for UVA. Uh, Damon, as you look at Tech, this Tech team. Do you think that what we've seen from them, you know, in the three of these last four games where they've lost to Dayton, um, they, I mean, I can't believe they lost to NC State, um, and they obviously lost to Duke. That, that game they played a little bit better to start. Well, that Wake Forest loss doesn't look nearly as bad. It, the Memphis loss is a little bit weird because even though Memphis is talented, Memphis seemed to be a mess, especially at the time that Tech lost to them. Uh, and they had that loss to um, Xavier, too, back in November. But overall, Damon, what's your, what's your thought process on Tech? And what do you think of the matchup uh, against the Cavaliers? Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I really don't know. Um, I I don't know if they know at this point. Obviously, they came into this season with a lot of expectations, and and to this point, haven't even come close to to uh, to reaching those expectations. So it's I, I'm really interested to see what they look like tomorrow night. I'm interested to see to to see because. That it's what's crazy to me is they are uh they're ahead of UVA in scoring defense right now by like a tenth of a point. Whoever wins tomorrow night is going to be the best scoring defensive team in the in uh, the ACC after tomorrow night. But still, to this point, they've been getting it done on defense. So basically, they they just need to knock down more shots and, and get guys like Aluma and much more involved, maybe. And 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 that that to me is going to be a very like you alluded to. Uh, Aluve and Mutz are, um, they're going to be the guys who kind of stir the drink for him tomorrow night. I think if they can kind of capitalize on what Carolina was able to capitalize on with Baycott, Tony joked about it on the, on the, um, on the teleconference about how Aluma was probably licking his lips a little bit when he was watching, watching the Carolina UVA game on Saturday and, and thinking about how he might be able to exploit some of those same things. So yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a challenging matchup from a UVA perspective and, and you hope they took away some things from, from Carolina and, and can kind of figure out how they can better manage those things. But it's uh it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough matchup for UVA, I think uh, on the defensive end, which, which is a strange thing to say about a UVA pro- program, uh, a UVA team. But uh, yeah, this I'm really interested, like I said earlier, to see what Virginia Tech looks like tomorrow night, because obviously the expectations were about as high as I can remember for a Virginia Tech basketball team coming into this season. And that obviously has not worked out that like Ferber said earlier, they still haven't won a game in the ACC. And this this is a big game for this is a really big game for them tomorrow. This is a big game for both of these teams tomorrow night. And it'll be interesting to see how Virginia Tech comes out and performs and, and what they try to exploit tomorrow night against UVA. I kind of think, Ferber, and again, I don't want to spoil the preview, but I kind of think that 
you could take some, you know, regardless of how this thing goes, it's a nine, it's a nine o'clock tip, um, you know, in a game where the matchups don't tend to favor, seem to favor UVA. Um, but then if you look at, you know, what comes up next, I could totally see a scenario where Virginia loses this game tomorrow night and then does win the next four, because that's just sort of the nature of this season. Right. I feel like because Virginia's inconsistency is so, uh, apparent they're going to have these highs and lows. And clearly the second half against Carolina was a low, you know, let's say they lose this game to, to tech tomorrow night. Um, now you're talking about them coming back and I mean, you could totally see them running off four wins, you know, maybe Pittsburgh is not nearly as good as Virginia made them look, um, you know, earlier in the season, um, when they snuck out that, they're, that they're not good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, you know, NC state is, is helter skelter too. Uh, I have no idea what to make of Louisville. Um, and maybe wake Forest, you know, comes back to earth a little bit. Like the, the nature of the beast this year is that each one of these games for UVA is going to be uh, a little bit out there. What's the one thing that you, that you feel, let's wrap it up like this. I'll, I'll, I'll toss this to both you guys. The thing you feel the most comfortable or confident in with this UVA team, other than Tony Bennett's not going to play dudes in the second half if they have two fouls. Um, what, what else, what else do you feel confident about? Ferber, we'll start with you. What, what's what's your your thing you're most confident with in this team going forward? Uh, that's a good one. Um, Reese Beekman's defense. Um, I think he's just consistently excellent as an on ball, off the ball defender. Um, he's made a few timely steals, which is something that UVA doesn't really do, jumping passing lanes, um, and, and that's kind of led to easy baskets on the other end, which I think we've seen more this year than we normally would. Um, I would have to say that. I mean, I'd have to say he's been probably the standout performer on the defensive end for sure. Um, and if his offensive game can catch up and, and we've seen little hints that it might be heading in that direction, you know, he's had a couple of good games here and there. I think he had some good moments on Saturday. Um, you know, he could be really special um, with, with what he can already bring on the defensive end. And that's why you can't really take him out because, yeah. you know, they definitely need that. Yeah. What about you, David? What do you think? Uh, what I'm most confident in, uh, probably Kihei Clark in close games down the stretch. Uh, and we saw it again. We've seen it, you know, we saw it a couple of years ago. I, at Tech is the uh, the shot that pops immediately to my mind, but I know he's hit a couple of those big shots throughout the course of his career. And we saw it again in Syracuse, and we saw it again at Clemson. And he's kind of he's kind of the veteran. He he's he's the leader on the floor down the stretch. He's the guy who's been in these spots. He played in the uh, final four in the national championship. So yeah, I think, I think he kind of reminded everybody in those two road wins of what he can be, especially down the stretch, what he can mean to this team when, when it needs a big bucket, uh, when it needs a good possession offensively in those closing minutes of a close game. And so, yeah, I think it's just a matter of, this team putting itself in that position in the final five minutes where he can kind of do that and, and, uh, and do it again, because like I said, we've seen him do it countless times um, throughout the course of his career, including those two most recent examples. And so, yeah, I think if there was one thing I could say, it's kind of reminiscent. Remember London Prentice used to always hit big shots on the road. It felt like, um, I remember one in like double overtime at Miami. Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, yeah that was like New yeah. Year's. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's kind one. of the, it's kind of the same with with Kihei Clark. 
it's when it's like a two when they have it like a two point lead, three point lead, and he's he's taking a shot with like three four minutes left. I I feel like it's always going in. Um, and so yeah, if I was going to point to one thing that that I have the most confidence in on this team right now, I think it's Kihei Clark down the stretch in close game. You know, it's funny how you know we went from you know Kihei was like the um, sort of the weak link in terms of shooting because teams would just sort of satellite off of him and sag off and that really hurt the offense so now he's their most reliable three-point shooter and and not just because other guys are not shooting it well consistently no he's right? shooting like well he's, he's shooting it well and he you can tell his mechanics you know he can see it that his you know his shot is a lot faster um you know he's still he's still it's still relatively slow all things considered but it's, it's definitely sped up and he's much more confident when he takes it um, you know, I think there's still times, you know, back in the day, I used to joke that, you know, sometimes a Joe Harris shot, regardless of what it is, is better than anybody else shooting it. And he all, he would do this thing where he would, you know, get himself ready to shoot and then he'd try to pass and look for the better shot. And then inevitably, like, this is just a Virginia thing where sometimes it's great and the ball movement is awesome. And then sometimes you're like, dude, just shoot the ball. Like, it's okay. Um, and I feel like sometimes with Kihei, you know, he has those moments and he wants, to, he wants to keep the ball moving, but sometimes he's better the team is better for him to shoot it um the thing i feel like for me that i'm most confident or feel most comfortable in is <laughs> and this, this is kind of mean but um folks they're gonna drive y'all nuts they're gonna drive <laughs> y'all bananas like you're you're gonna be so frustrated watching this team because some nights it's gonna be so good and you're gonna look at it and gonna go that's what it's supposed to look like and then some nights it's gonna be that second half in chapel hill and you're gonna be like what is this um and that's sort of just the nature of this beast, especially, you know, given sort of the the skill sets uh, that make up this roster, you know, um, they don't have like it's almost like if you had one other piece, you could you could make several other like several different versions of this team work. Right. Um, if they had a Trey Murphy, a lot of this, I mean, you take an NBA dude. Yeah. A lot of your problems go away. But do you see what I mean? Like it's not you don't have to you you could put one piece together and and they and they're different offensively or they're different defensively. Um, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna drive y'all bananas. And when they drive you bananas, it's just gonna be a, it's gonna be a game to game thing. Um, and I think you know while that's you know somewhat tongue in cheek, I, I mean I genuinely think that like if you look at the rest of the rest of the way the season looks like it's gonna play out, um, you can look at that schedule and you can say oh. You know, here's a terrible team, right? Boston College, that's a terrible team, right? Pittsburgh is pretty terrible at this point, you know? And yet, even still, are you really confident that, you know, they're going to go to Pittsburgh and win on January 19th? Like, they should. But, I mean, Kempom even only has, like, a four-point win. I mean, there's just there's just not a whole lot to hang your hat on. Even though, I like I said before, even though skills, you know, talent-wise, I, feel, I think they're better than we thought, Um the guys are certainly more comfortable in their roles. They're playing harder. I think Gardner has been, at times, the last few games are a bit of a revelation because he's played at a different level, maybe more, maybe something more akin to what we thought he would be um, previously. But it certainly feels like to me that the, 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 that the most consistent part about this team is that they are going to be inconsistent and they're going to drive you mad. Um, but, hey, uh, at the end of the day, you know, I know we, we had that conversation last week about, you know, questioning Tony Bennett and such and such. Um, but they're going to be in a better spot by the end of the year um, than they are now. It's just going to be some slow going, and they're probably not going to be not going to go as far as you want them to. So, 
We will see what happens against Virginia Tech and Wake Forest. We'll be back next week before they make that trip up to the Steel City. Um, is it the Peterson Event Center, or is that, or is that, is that Florida State? I, always I think you that. got it. Is that yeah, right? That that's right. like the Tucker Center. Yeah, oh, that's right. right. So, yeah, that's a yeah. That the Florida State plays in the, uh, in the is it Donald Donald Tucker? Yeah, Florida State's gym is the one that always has like the horrible lighting. Yes, I feel yes. Like. It's, it's like, like so always something, real dark yeah. in there. They're, yeah, there there's something weird with their lighting situation, and also I think their cameras for, are from like they stole those from like the Andy Griffith show. Um, so yeah, so we you know what we should do. We should do a podcast where I just try to guess all of the arenas. Um, you know. That would make for great, great audio. All right, let's wrap it up. I think that's a good place to put a pin in it. Um, if you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, you can look, look us up on Apple Podcasts, sit your Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your shows, and I promise you we're not going to do a whole episode where I just guess um, random arenas. Well, now, we'll you, see how the rest of the season plays <laughs> out. We'll see how the offseason goes, right? <laughs> now, if you're somebody who found the podcast through the website, um, uh yeah, no, sorry. If you're uh, wow, I forgot the whole gist of the whole thing. If you're somebody who found the pod but has not given us a look at the website, you can check out CapsCorner.com. I see Damon caught up with um, Xavier Brown uh, to talk about. Um, you know, I th- I think that's one confident kid, and I like confident kids. I like when dudes are like, "Nah, this is what we're, this is what we're gonna do." Uh, I think that that's always, um, you know, that's always a good sign. Now, sometimes it can be, <laughs> sometimes it can be a little bit. Uh, it can be a little bit disconcerting when a you know dude thinks he's going to come in and like lead the ACC and this and that. But anyway, um, so that's a you know obviously an interesting piece with the new the new staff. Um, I mentioned earlier this the the piece on the um, that's not being a vintage Virginia defensive unit. Had some notes from Tony's teleconference or time on the tele- ACC call. Um, Jack, is it Pyburn? I'm guessing the late rising. Correct. Yeah, uh, that's a that's an interesting recruitment to watch. And then I, I really enjoyed the roster breakdowns for the defense and the offense early look um, for 2022. So lots of stuff out there, um, which may get updated if we ever get a defensive coordinator. Yeah, that would be nice, right? You could do a lot more once you had a defensive coordinator. Ferber's just chomping at the bit, I'm sure, to to, <laughs> to crank out um, film rooms once he knows what the. I've got some ideas. Yeah, got some ideas. All I um, ask is that they hire somebody that I can like do it easily for. Did <laughs> you find somebody who has film? Because if Please. they hire, you know, a coach from like the Canadian Football League or something, <laughs> it's like, not going to work a hard out time. Great. And everyone suffers. Absolutely. Um, I want to thank uh, myperfectfranchise.net uh, for their support of the show and of uh, the website. You can visit myperfectfranchise.net for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. <sighs> All right. That's a that's it. That's one more one more in the books. Again, thank everybody out there for supporting the show. Thank um, Ferber and Damon for giving graciously of their time. As always, appreciate it. And we will be back next week. So, for Justin Ferber and Damon Dillman, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. Yeah.